And at the same time, I was real with them. I said, yeah, this is going to suck. This is not a, this is not a fun injury. You know, you're going to have teammates and coaches that you don't get along with at times, but you have to learn how to deal with them. You learn through sport how to get through adversity and, and overcome struggles that just pay off down the road. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club podcast. I'm your host, Max Price. Before we dive into episode number four, I just want to say thank you and ask a favor. If you could hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and most importantly, share this podcast, whether it's through social media or email, just get this thing out to as many people in the high school sports world as we can. We've got a lot of excellent guests so far, and we'll keep bringing them on to try to provide the best high school sports content that we can. And now on to episode four, and it's my honor to welcome in Christina Gray. Christina was the athletic trainer at North Salem High School for well over a decade before she moved to Beaverton, Oregon to take over as the first ever athletic trainer at the brand new high school, Mountainside. Christina has a lot to offer us, not only in terms of what we can do to help our athletes, but also how we can best utilize the athletic trainers in our building to provide a better experience for us and our athletes. So let's dive in. Please welcome Christina Gray. All right, we're on. Uh, I'm here with Christina. Christina, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, it's it's cool to have you on here. You um, and I have crossed paths, uh, paths a couple of times. And so can you kind of run us through uh, your career as an athletic trainer? Yeah, I initially didn't actually know what an athletic trainer was in high school, or I guess that's when I found what an athletic trainer was. We didn't have one playing sports in high school, but through my health occupations class, learned about athletic training, had always had a passion for the medical field as well as thoroughly enjoyed playing sports. And so um, when I heard about athletic training, said, well, what not a better profession to go into, something different every day, you're active, Um, you know, while I would love to work in the sunshine every day, some days are rainy and cold, but, um, you know, you, they all are awesome. And so went to, or went to Linfield to study athletic training, um, had a chance to play basketball as well. And that kind of pushed me through, through the ringer, you know, and dabbled with going back to, or, continuing on to be an orthopedic surgeon. But once I found, or once I graduated from math, from Linfield, goodness, um, got the position at North Salem high school where you were a baseball player there. Yeah, um, was that, was your first year in 2007? Uh, Oh five. Cool. So you were there almost my whole time. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get hurt much, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Right. It's always good when I don't really know who you are. When I think of you, I don't know you as an injury, but yeah. So thought about orthopedic surgery. Um, but once I got into high school athletic training said, Nope, mm, this is it. I love working with kids for, you know, every rhyme and reason why kids are great and also a headache at times, (laughs) but I, I loved it. There's again always something new, and you, you never know what's going to walk through the door. So, so your, your first year, 2005, as an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm, yep, first year was working in a chiropractic clinic shortly before North Salem um, as an athletic trainer. But once the position at North opened up, um, jumped on board and was there for 12 years, and then decided wanted to move a little bit closer to home had already always lived in the Portland area. And so a new high school in the Beaverton school district was opening up and of course needed an athletic trainer. So got the position there. And this is my fourth year now at mountainside high school in Beaverton. And that's a brand new school. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Brand new school, of course, an opportunity that not, many are presented or have the opportunity to work. Um, and so, you know, it, it definitely was a challenge at times. I mean, even starting, I was covering practices with zero equipment, zero access to the building. All of our fall sports were on, were sharing one field. Our volleyball team wasn't even at the school. They were at the middle school down the road. So it, it Definitely. Again, were were some challenges with that. A lot of the students, because we only started with freshmen and sophomores, 
they had no idea who this random chick is sitting on the field watching their practices, you know, so getting to know all of them and, and just typically at, in, at the high school level, the younger um, grades don't really know what the athletic trainer is there. Some of them are new to sport and new to figuring out what their body can and can't do, you know, but they don't realize that, Oh, there's someone here that I can go to and talk to about my injuries and aches and pains and so on and so forth. So it, it, there was a learning curve with that in teaching the uh, underclassmen what an athletic trainer is and what services I can provide as well as getting my name out there to the community and to the parents as well, because like at North Salem, you know, after 12 years, you're having younger siblings and, you know, everyone kind of gets to know you and knows, Oh, yep. I know that person running out on the field. That's there's Christina. Yeah. You're well Um, established by that point. Right. This is the revelation for me. I hadn't realized that you lived in (laughs) Portland or up there this whole time. And I, I wanted to get to this later, but let's, dive into it now, the hours that athletic trainers work are somewhat irregular to begin with. And then you're driving an hour each way during your 12 years at North. I was, yes. Uh, When I got the position right out of, pretty much right out of uh, college, wasn't sure where I permanently wanted to land. Um, And my family was all up in the uh, Southeast Portland, Milwaukee area. And um, didn't want to move too far away from them. Wasn't, wasn't really sure if I wanted to be in Salem, ended up, um, buying a place in Tualatin. So yeah, for the 12 years I would drive down from Tualatin to, to Salem. It, you know, was, was a drive at times, but for the most part, because of the irregular hours, I'm going against traffic and, um, outside of any rush hour which was nice. And especially when there were those injuries or stressful days or weeks, you know, the drive home kind of provided that mental, just kind of check out, you know, and just kind of get all of the emotion of, you know, whatever stress and whatnot is happening or allow me to process, okay, this kid got this injury. How could I have helped them better? What more can I do? who do I need to talk to? Where do I need to send them? What about this rehab exercise? You know, so it allows you kind of that processing time too, which was kind of nice. Let's talk about the hours that athletic trainers work. What's a typical (laughs) day (laughs) look like for an athletic? And I'm laughing when I say that because I kind of know what's the typical day like for an athletic (laughs) trainer? Well, pre COVID. um, (laughs) Yeah. These are different worlds now. Exactly. No, a, a typical day in, you know, again, a normal year, I would get uh, to the school just before, you know, an hour or so roughly before school starts so that I can do whatever prep I need to, whether that be um, game day, practice prep, um, planning or organizing rehab and workouts for athletes, um, set, again, setting up games. I also have athletic training students from various colleges that I am a preceptor for. And so oftentimes I would meet and have them there early so that again, kind of helping with the setup and the prep for the day. Um, some, some days, depending on the day, um, go till 10, 11 o'clock at night. If it's say a Friday night football game, that might just be a long game. Um, but Roughly three days a week, you're there until nine or 10 o'clock at night. And then the other two days, it's maybe just practice days. So you're out a little bit, quote unquote, earlier, which might be seven o'clock, depending on the day. But again, it all it all varies. And so, you know, trying to coordinate a schedule outside of athletic training, everyone always asks the golden question is, hey, when are you done? When are you off work? Can we do, you know, X, Y, or Z? Uh, well, I have no idea. It's a game, game day. Well, what does that mean? When are, when are you done? Well, are we going into overtime? Are they calling a lot of fouls? I, I don't know. You know, how many injuries are there? How many injuries are there? Of course. Um, you know, and even on practice or game days, there may be injuries that you have to document, which you have to document every injury, but some, sometimes you want to get caught up on your documentation that night, 
maybe you're sending an athlete to the ER and I've often followed them to the ER after games are done to check on them and, and see, um, you know, how they're doing and talk to the family or, Again, it's just sitting on the computer and going to putting in a concussion eval into the system or, you know, catching up on the previous day's injuries because sometimes sometimes you can't get to them all your documentation right away. And that's kind of the boring side of athletic training where you do have to do all of the document documenting, but um, it needs to be done. So some days, some days you're saying they're late, some days you're getting in there, you're just saying, you know what, scrap this. I've I've got enough log that I can do the rest in the morning. And so then you get back to it and you get to the school earlier. That's it's kind of like coaching, except I, as a coach, it's nice because I can set practice times and know when I'm going to get out of there kind of, except, you know, on game days. But, mm-hmm. um, and then I also have a, a decently long off season where I can choose to, you know, have off season workouts or not. And so you're pretty much year round, you're tied to being at school late a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course in the fall, they're later nights. And as the year goes on, it kind of gets earlier and earlier, especially when we're getting into that spring season where a lot of the sport or all of the sports are light dependent. You know, if you have lights at the fields that, you know, you can have games till whenever, but, um, we currently, other than our main stadium don't have lights on our baseball softball field. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> At least, yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it can be a good thing. Yeah. We don't have lights either. I've never had a field that's had lights, So I don't really know what that life would be like, but yeah, being light dependent certainly is kind of in some ways, it's actually a good thing, I think. Right. Yeah. It does allow, and it's funny because there, there are days where I'm looking around at, at the school and it's maybe six 30 and, there's not a soul inside. It's like, wait a minute, we're done already. It's six thirty. What am I going to do for my day? Yeah, no kidding. I can believe that. Um, as you're during your time as an athletic trainer, what are some of the things that coaches have done to uh, kind of help you feel like you're more part of a team? Because I imagine sometimes you might show up for sport and you, maybe you're you're not at that sport all that often or something like that. What can coaches do to kind of help pull their athletic trainers in and make them feel like they're part of their program. I, that, that is huge for one is, uh, because oftentimes athletic trainers, we're the last to know of any practice or game time changes. You know, we want to be there a hundred percent for every practice and every game, you know, within our means. And usually the time changes, which sometimes are out of the coach's control or, you know, it's a last minute change and, we're the, we're again, the last ones to, to know, and we may show up, we want to be there early. And if we get there early so that we can do any, you know, rehab or taping or whatnot, and we find out after, once we get there, that practice is for another three hours, it's like, Oh, great. All right. Well, this was awesome. So, you know, communication is definitely huge, um, between coaches and athletic trainers in helping us to kind of help serve you guys better um, and making us feel more part of your program. And I, most athletic trainers that I work with or that I have, that I know we want to be there hundred percent for you, but we don't want it to be known that we're there. If that makes sense, <laughs> we, we want it to be a well-oiled machine and, you know, we want the athletes to be playing and we're not there to hold the athletes out while sometimes we're twiddling our thumbs waiting for something, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, it, again, that communication in, in schedule I've had, and, and we uh, recognize that there are definitely teams that I don't always get to as often as other teams. And, but I tr- do try to make it a point that I do get around to each and every team. I'll, swimming sometimes is difficult because they're not on campus. So for me to get to a swim practice, I have to leave a bulk of the rest of the athletes that are on campus behind. And, you know, so I, again, would love to get to their practices, but they, I still make sure that I'm communicating with the coach and making making it known that, you know, maybe I'm showing up to coaches meet or parent meetings so that the, the athletes and the parents can see, see my face, know who I am, know what services I can provide. Um, but when, you know, all sports on campus, say in the spring, when you have 
a bazillion track athletes. You have baseball, you have softball. Again, golf is one of those sports like swimming that you don't see very often. But And tennis. Tennis often gets overlooked, but I make sure to, again, make it a point to swing through tennis and let and watch practice for a while and let them know, hey, do you need anything? And um, even now take water out to them. And I've had some of the athletes, tennis athletes say, what? We've never had an athletic trainer ever bring us water. It's like, well, you guys need water too. And, you know, but it, it's the little things really like that, like the communication with coaches of schedule changes. I have some coaches right now that are incredibly organized. And let me tell you, it makes my job easier. And I hope, you know, it turns around and makes their job easier because when I know exactly what their plan is, their practice schedule is for the entire season, or they're constantly including me and, Hey, we're, you know, we've got this tournament. Can you show up here? I need X, Y, and Z. Yep. Absolutely. So the, the organizational standpoint with coaches definitely helps makes our job a lot easier. I'm surprised in that you didn't mention anything about uh, going in and stealing ice from the trainer's room or returning coolers or anything like that. <laughs> well, I mean, if we want to get to that part. <laughs> I have uh, in our uh, at our field, um, we have an awesome athletic trainer. Her name is Abby, and she's she's awesome. She does a lot of great things for our school and our program. But uh, I I almost always have at least one or two coolers. Um, down in our barn at the field uh, just because our games and practices get over so late and, and there's usually not anyone around by then. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it takes a while to get those back. Right. Yes. That and med kits are always oh, gosh, yeah. kind of the number one struggle with, um, with different teams. And, and you, you get to know relatively quickly who and what program, what, what coach and what program, you know, you, you have to babysit a little more with that or communicate, um, you know, and, and sometimes it may be like, Hey, here are your coolers for this year. You're in charge, you know, as much as I would love to be able to get water and ice to and from every day, sometimes that's not feasible, you know, and sometimes just in general, I know in your situation, your, your field is off campus. So it's a little further to travel. And again, leaving some of the athletes behind on, on campus, but you know, I try to communicate with coaches that, hey, look, you know, there may be days or practices where, yeah, things don't get bu- don't get returned, but let's make sure we keep them clean, try and get them the next day. You know, if you need ban- – here at the beginning of every season, here's your med kits for practices, away games, fully stocked. I'm not going to come and look and see how many band-aids you've gone through. I'm going to leave that up to you guys or your managers If, you know, you get low on something, let me know. And I can either bring those supplies to you or just bring the kit back to me and I can help stock it. Um, And again, it's, it's part of that communication thing, which I haven't really run. I haven't run into any issue with coaches, um, you know, because again, I try to make sure that, Hey, look, this, this is what I need from you. This is how can I help you? What do you need from me so that we're all on the same page? And, you know, it tends to work out well. But at the same time, I've definitely had coolers left overnight with Gatorade, and ugh, that's just a mess. Hmm. And sometimes Sticky. we have to, sometimes we have to chuck those, or you know, we've had had them left in our outside storage throughout the summer, and end up with you know, who knows what in there, and say, no, no, we don't need to drink out of that again. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunately the nature of the beast. But you know, again, with communication, I think that helps solve a lot of things. What type of budgets do you get as an athletic trainer? Is your budget your own deal where you're buying X amount of, you know, tapes of your uh, rolls of athletic tape in a year? Is your budget um, tied into different programs? So you have certain budgets for what football gets and what other teams get. What's that kind of like for an athletic trainer? Because I don't think I've ever even heard about that. You know, it that probably varies from school to school or district to district. Uh, the different the two different districts I've worked for it's essentially coming from the main athletic budget um, rather than individual sport budget but at the same time that can also depend on the athletic trainer the ad as well as the coaching staff I've so for the most part all of my um, equipment and supplies comes from the athletic 
department and I, you know, I do my inventory and see kind of, okay, what have we gone through? What do I need? Okay. Here's my supply order list. Take it to the AD, you know, does this look good? And I'll put out bids to the different suppliers and, um, you know, try and get the best bang for my buck. And, and then once that gets approved, um, you know, order everything, I would like to say that I have an unlimited budget. I don't. Um, and so I try to, you know, make sure that I'm getting the essentials and, but some, some years we, there may be some extra money or there's been some fundraising that I've done so that I can get uh, some extra things, um, whether that be rehab equipment or, um, you know, recovery type stuff, like a game ready or just tape in general that we have a little bigger supply that we can get more, more tape. I, I know other athletic trainers have kind of posed, you know, wanting a Normatec uh, system. And so they've done the research and finding out what the cost is of that. And they've gone to their AD as well as other coaches and said, Hey, this is going to be universal for everyone. Would you like to help chip in with this? And different athletic teams have chipped into buying a bigger piece of equipment like that, uh, which is, which is great. And I just haven't done that yet. And, but maybe in the future, if there's something that I need, I, it's a great, great way to go about it as well. I know each sport doesn't have unlimited money either, but, um, you know, it, again, it depends on the year. I, I know some athletic trainers that have budgets of $2,000 for the year. I know some that have unlimited budget and, you know, there's always a limit at the high school level. And, but, um, you know, it, it varies. When you took over <laughs> Mountainside, you mentioned that there were, uh, I mean, you were building it from the ground up. So there was really, mm-hmm. I mean, you're basically walking to something that while being brand new, didn't necessarily have everything other than the the regular stuff, coolers and, and, and tape and stuff. Uh, what were some of the, the most important purchases that you think you made? That's, that's a good, good question. I think for me as an athletic trainer, I'm very big on the rehab aspect of, um, of athletic training. I, you know, you can put a bandaid or tape, you know, kinesio tape, whatever on an athlete, but does it ultimately fix the problem? I think the rehab and that therapy will, will help fix the problem in conjunction with, of course, taping and bracing and all of that. And so I, I've ventured out and purchased a good amount of rehab equipment to kind of help tackle that that side of athletic training as much as I can. And so I'd say that's probably my biggest. I wouldn't say there's one particular thing. Um, of course, there's some equipment that I've purchased right before COVID, and it's just sitting there collecting dust. So I can't wait to open it up and use it on the athletes once we get back into school. I got to ask at Mountainside, do you guys have uh, for athletics, uh, at least for your for your job, do you have a golf cart or a gator? You know, it is, I don't even know what officially you call it. It's probably, it's a combo. It's a battery operated, but also takes gas too. So depending on how fast you're going, it's not an official John Deere, but it's also not like an old, uh, you know, traditional golf cart. It, I don't even know what it is. Yamaha something. Um, but yes, I do have one which is needed for sure. Um, I'm one to get my steps in and I love getting my steps in. So I feel lazy driving it sometimes, but let me tell you our campus, all the athletic fields outside are, um, you know, stacked. And so it, it's a healthy 10 minute, five minute walk to some of the fields. And sometimes when you, you know, you're in the athletic training room and a kid comes running in or a coach calls from the furthest field and says, Hey, we need, we need you. You know, you don't know what kind of an emergency it is. So having something at your disposal on wheels that you can zip over there instead of running is very helpful. Cause as much as I'd like to throw a kid on my shoulders and bring them back to the training room, it's nice to have the, the cart to put them in, in the back of it and get them back to the training room. Yeah. sounds like that's pretty legit. We've got, uh, our trainer, I laugh, she drives a, a golf cart. And if you've been to Gilmore field, I'm sure you have, um, it's got the berm running around it. And if she goes down the berm, she can't get it back up. So <laughs> she's got to park the golf cart outside the berm and then carry the, carry anything she's taken in up over the berm and down into the, 
<laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the same golf cart that was there when I was at North Salem too. I, yeah, I remember probably. That. we were in the process of looking of getting one, and the district gave us a golf cart on loan, and it was probably very similar to the one that Abby uses, and and maybe even a little more rundown, just because I. That puppy died on me multiple times, including one one day in the very front of the school as I'm trying to set up games right before school is out. And it died at the main entrance with parents there waiting to pick up their kids. Awesome. It's the very first year of the school. And I just said, well, I can't get this to start. I left it, walked back down to the athletic director's office and said, hey, your golf cart's up here and it's dead. <laughs> your golf cart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So let's get into let's get into injuries. You, you've mentioned a, a few. I mean, obviously, a big part of your job. Well, you you joke about it, but it is sometimes it is kind of standing and waiting for something to happen as much as you might not actually want it to happen. What's what's some of the more common injuries that you see in high school students? You know, and I get I get that question along with, "Ooh, what's the worst injury you've seen?" It, and it all depends. It depends on the year. It depends on the sport, the season. Uh, you know, you you might have like a track sprinter or even a um, football player, soccer player that's, you know, just going to do something explosive and pulls a hammy or maybe a basketball or volleyball player where you're doing more start and stop and agility type stuff and roll an ankle. Um, so it, it kind of depends on the nature of the sport. With what happens, of course, there's concussions with girls' soccer and and football, um, notorious, those two sports. But I've also seen cross-country runners and tennis players with concussions. So, uh, you know, they're just more prevalent in some sports than others. I, this year, I, we, or this last year, in one fall season had six ACL injuries which really is kind of unheard of, you know, but it's just one of those years where you can't really explain it. And let me tell you, I've gone back to look and see, okay, what is it? What are we doing? Is it something we're doing here as an athletic department? Are we not going through the right preventative exercises? Is it, you know, this sport, our fields, you know, what are they doing as youth? And, you know, it's just unfortunately one of those flukes that, yes, you, I joke about sitting around and waiting for something to happen. Of course, I would much rather be doing something, but I, you know, I, I never want to see a kid injured. And that's really why I got into athletic training is because my favorite part of it is when they do return to the field or um, court after an injury and seeing that smile on their face and, you know, they, they're back at it and they're enjoying life again. And, you know, if I know the parents, if it's a game, I'll pan up and see the parents also, you know, enjoying. And so seeing them recover from the injury is definitely the reason why I do uh, what I do. But again, so yeah, we had, we had a bunch of ACLs this year, you know, can't explain. It was various sports, you know, guys and girls. It kind of allowed me because a season ending injury is, substantial for any athlete. No athlete signs up for sport to get injured, you know, let alone something like a season ending injury. And so there's definitely a mental aspect with, with that type of an uh, injury an ACL tear. And I've had one athlete in the past that really kind of sticks with me constantly with what I do. And, and that individual had torn his ACL three times in his high school career. And so working on the mental aspect of of the injury was, was huge with him, you know, and, and no one athlete is going to be textbook. You're not going to go through and what you do for one athlete, you're going to do exactly the same for the other because they're totally two individuals. But this athlete having suffered the same injury three times in four years is, is substantial. And, you know, just going through the ups and downs with him, with that, you know, we had our heart to hearts in the training room where we're both, tearing up and, you know, we had our successes as well where, you know, we're tearing up because we're so, I'm so proud of the work that he had put in and he was happy to be back into sport. But going back to this year and having six ACLs, I, 
I took it, I took that as another challenge, you know, rather than one athlete with three ACL tears in four years, I took six athletes and, you know, a three month time span and said, you know what, we're going to make this, this quote unquote club ACL and really kind of dove into the mental aspect of that because while they were all uh, several weeks apart from each other, but they were all going through the same thing. And again, they're going through the same thing, but they're all different. They played different sports. They had different demands on their body, um, but brought them all together. And we met monthly and they knew each other from being in the training room and just being students at the school, but took them outside of the athletic training setting and outside of their sports setting and brought them into the counseling office in one of our um, meeting rooms, conference rooms, and and sat down with them. I got all their favorite snacks, tried to make them a little more comfortable, um, you know, because no no kid likes to talk about how to how does this injury make you feel like right you know are you mad are you sad or what do you like what do you dislike and it's hard for kids to open up about that but tried to and worked with one of our counselors who was a college athlete had torn her ACL and and really tried to get the kids engaged and and focus on that aspect more so of of their injury and and realizing that hey look there is more to me as an athlete than my knee right now, because once someone has an injury like that, everyone looks at you and says, Oh, but your ACL. Oh, how's your knee? Oh, what about that? And, and that's not their identity. They're still an athlete. And I wanted to help to show them that and, and get them, you know, to realize that and, and mo- help motivate them to get through their rehab. And at the same time, I was real with them. I said, yeah, this is going to suck. This is not a, this is not a fun injury. This you're going to have these waves of emotion and you know what, we're going to, we're going to let them happen and we're going to be pissed off. And, and you're going to come in and say, you know what, Christina rehab today is not my day. We're not doing rehab. And I'm going to say, okay, that's great. You want to sit and talk. We can sit and talk. If you want to go home and have your vibe time and listen to music, then, you know, whatever it might be, have your day. But then I also let them know that I'm going to be on them and I'm going to challenge them and help them to buy into rehab and let them know that, yeah, we're going to have our days where we're saying scrap it. It's not today, but we're also going to have our day where you're going to be sweating your brains out and not even able to use maybe both legs at that time, but we're going to get you sweating and feeling like an athlete and, and we're going to do this all together. But I'm also going to make sure that I'm connecting with each of those six individually to help motivate them as well. And, and any athlete likes a challenge. So if I can get up all six of them in the training room at the same time doing similar exercises or some sort of a challenge in between. Ooh, let me tell you, there were a lot of laughs and a lot of, you know, a lot of sweat. And, and so that's where, you know, I, we got to a point where I knew that they had bought in and, and again, that was kind of one of the, and one of them in particular really opened up. He was kind of a shy and bashful kid, but finally towards the end was, uh, you know, throwing jokes out here and there, you know, whether it be towards me and, you know, making people laugh and he ve- felt, felt comfortable, but put in work every day. And so, you know, that's one of those, I guess, success stories. And, and even now through COVID, you know, a lot of them, most of them have now gotten to a point where they're cleared or on the verge of being cleared to return to sport. And they're still asking for, you know, Hey, can we have a club? Can we have a club ACL? Yeah. Let's have another meeting. And, you know, now it's through zoom and it's not sitting oh, in a yeah. conference room, but they still love it. And, you know, so long as they're bought in and, and they're working hard on their own too. Um, so it's been a challenge, but it's also been a great success as well. Yeah. When you get cleared from an injury, a severe one, you finally have the ability to go back and play. I would assume for a lot of people that there's, there can be a mental block that pops up. Mm-hmm. You know that you're, you know, if it's your ACL, you know that your knee is healthy and you know that you're able and allowed to go full speed on it. But at the same time, it's in the back of your head, I guess, mm-hmm. that it, it got hurt and it could happen again. And maybe if I go full speed, it will. How much work do you have to do as an athletic trainer on that side of it with a player? So even after he's cleared to play or she's cleared to play. So in that you're a hundred percent right that, that that is one of the biggest setbacks 
because an athlete will kind of have that in the back of their mind. And so in general, as an athletic trainer, you, you want to, you know, your rehab goes from relatively simple to pretty advanced and sport specific. And, and through, once you get into that later stages of your rehab, you start to incorporate rehab exercises and sport specific drills that, that simulate game type stuff that's going to be cutting and, you know, throwing a ball or an implement, whether if maybe they're a lacrosse player and, you know, get them back into that sport specific setting where you're in a more controlled environment in the training room. I would often take athletes or tell athletes, you know, Hey, we're going to go out on the field and we're going to do this, or I'm going to kick a ball with you or, um, you know, change it up a little bit to, at one point we were doing rehab and we were playing, I went into our PE storage room and borrowed a bunch of different equipment that I don't have. I had the um, ACL kids playing badminton and, you know, different bad, but they were having fun playing badminton, badminton, but they weren't realizing that what I was making them do while playing badminton was helping them with their knee and getting their mind off of focusing on just an exercise for their knee. And and so starting to incorporate little things like that. And with our club ACL meetings as well, I would, uh, we'd talk about that and, and I'd have different topics each time we'd meet to address that specifically. Um, And I brought in, again, we had our counselor who gave her side and her input, but I also brought in, there was another counseling intern that had the same, same injury. He actually had it happen twice and, and talk about that so that, and just to get them to realize that these, you know, they have these fears, but these fears can be overcome, you know, and, and the kids will joke with me, the athletes will joke with me all the time that Christina, you always ask, how does that make you feel? You know, and while I'm, I don't claim to be a counselor by any means, yeah. especially imagination, but you know, it's, it, I, I let them know like, Hey, I, I need that feedback. I want to know where you are mentally with, you know, this exercise or this drill so that I can then change what I'm doing to help you better, you know, whether it be to get physically stronger or mentally stronger along the process. And, and while it's not going to work with everyone, the same, you know, you can't do the same thing again with everyone, but it, you know, once they getting them to realize that, Hey, there is this side of, of this injury. I think that awareness will help them to start to process and overcome it. Um, and I have one athlete who is doing some club soccer right now and I'm, and she's been cleared and is doing more. And so I'm constantly checking in with her as well. Hey, how you doing? How did it? Oh, it was great. I got to do, you know, X, Y, and Z drill. And I was doing some cutting and running. Okay. Well, great. How'd that make you feel? How was it? Were you, were you scared? Were you nervous? Like be honest with me and no, it felt great. Well, okay. Initially I was a little nervous, but you know, and a lot of it is repetition and just doing it. It's going to be scary the first 12 or 13 times that you do it. And maybe even 50th, the 50th time you do it. But once they get stronger and more comfortable doing that, then it definitely helps them mentally to not have that setback or that roadblock when you look back your career still you're still going strong don't worry i'm not <laughs> you're not even close <laughs> to being done but uh, when at this point in your career as you look back what's of everything you've done as an athletic trainer what's the, maybe your best success story or the one that just makes you feel the best when you saw an athlete kind of overcome something there there's several um but the one in particular that stands out i mean there's there's the group right now that I'm working with, with the ACLs. Um, but it's tough cause I haven't seen them return yet. So I would say ultimately it is the athlete for, at North Salem that did, um, tore his ACL three times. And, and specifically what stood out is that we kind of counted out. He wanted to, he initially his freshman year was a three sport athlete and then transitioned to a two sport athlete his sophomore year. And that's when he toured the first time. And by the time it got to a senior year, you know, we had said, okay, we're going to take an extended amount of time. You know, he wanted initially, and what are your goals with every athlete that sustains an injury, like a season ending injury, I I talk about, and I have them write down their goals. What are your goals, short-term, long-term, so that we can continually check back in and, 
show them that, Hey, we've attained this goal. Like what's next? What, what other thing can we look forward to? And with this athlete, he wanted to play basketball and I said, okay, well, that's great. But let's look at our timeline and, and realistically we can maybe get you back for the second half of season. And with basketball, you of course play everyone twice. And so he was okay with that. He was on board and, um, things progressed with him with his rehab. He had hundred percent bought in more so than, you know, and not that he didn't buy in the first two times. There was definitely a period of time where he had some, some hiccups, but, um, this, his senior year, he got back sooner for basketball than he imagined. I, th- I want to say it was shortly after preseason. So he, he was in the first round of season. And I just remember specifically he, w- he wasn't starting, but when he got subbed in the, the student section, gave him a standing ovation, cheered for him. He got in, you know, off and on throughout that game. Mom looked up at mom, mom is in tears, but the kid just went apeshit. I mean, he was beside himself and, and then he got subbed out right at the, you know, right at the end of the game. And, and it wasn't, you know, it was again, a game midway through the season and again, got a standing ovation. Like it was senior night in his last night, last game. And he ended up positioning himself on the bench at the very end of the bench. And, and where I normally am is just off the end of the bench so that I can be close, but still see. And, and when the buzzer sounded to end the game, he turned around and just gave me the big, biggest bear hug and just, you know, thanked me and, of course, I told him, you need to let go of me because I cannot be crying right here in front of all these people. So, <laughs> but no, it was, it was definitely a very special moment to see him get back on, on the court and, and see all of his peers. I mean, the stands were full. His parents were happy. He was happy. It was just a, that was probably my number one success story. I'm pretty sure I know exactly who you're talking about. And he's a, <laughs> he was a, a really good basketball player. And uh, was and would have been a really good baseball player too. Well, and you uh, just feel so up, bad for someone who had so much of their high school career. I mean, you only get four years. That's all you get. Right. And he, baseball was his number one. And he did end up going to, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, you, you do yeah. know who. <laughs> and he did end up going um, and playing baseball his senior year. He was offered a scholarship, I believe, at Corbin, um, but ended up turning that down to play baseball in college because he wanted to pursue athletic training after that. And so, of course, I'm a little biased. He went into athletic training, so <laughs> no. Um, but he chose he chose a great school that it was a great fit for him and his personality. Their training room overlooked the baseball field that overlooked the ocean. So, um, yeah, he, and he's a high school athletic trainer right now doing great things. And so, you know, I, I know that he's paying it forward and it's funny that individual with, with him going into athletic training, I remember him calling and telling me that he passed a certification, his board exam, and of course, super excited and happy for him. And, and I got to know the family really well. And, you know, I said, Oh, well, what did your mom say? How, you know, I bet she was beside herself. I bet she's super excited. And he said, well, I haven't told her yet. I said, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am hanging up right now. You need to go call your mother. Don't you ever call me first before, but you know, it's just, it's special. Special. He's a that is, he, he, I, I guarantee you, he became an athletic trainer because of what he experienced with you. Well, I, w- I would hope, or the misery that I put him through with all the rehab. <laughs> <that's just> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can pay that misery forward to other kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> no. uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a good story. He, um, it's, it's awesome that he, he went into that career. I did not know the second half of that story. That's really neat. Yeah, and he, he even got, because, again, baseball has always been his number one, and, and I know you're a baseball guy, and he – got a position with a, now I'm going to mess it up, professional team, I want to say, or a semi-pro team maybe. Um, and same, it was the same thing. He called to tell me that 
he was leaving his high school to go do that. And I, you know, super excited, but I said, Oh my gosh, you're leaving California. You're already far enough away from your, your family. Like what, did, what did your mom say? Well, I haven't told her yet. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Again, like, <laughs> don't tell your mother. <laughs> what are some of the more difficult things or maybe not even difficult, but what are some of the things that you do that maybe coaches don't really realize that you do? I feel like the coaches, and I can't speak for every athletic trainer. Um, I feel, and maybe, maybe I'm not delusional, but you know, maybe I'm delusional and that they, you know, I, I just assume or think that they kind of under they know what I do. Um, but the one thing, maybe the hours that during the regular season, you know, or regular, regular year is the hours that you put in, um, constantly trying to not only better yourself, but, um, you know, in terms of researching and, and finding out, you know, well, this kid presented with this weird funky injury. Okay. Let me go back and let me look, okay, well, there's this, you know, or what else could I do, do better? Um, you know, and, and oftentimes again, with the hours, we're the last ones to leave, um, the game or, you know, the school because we're cleaning up, we're icing another kid, we're calling, we're following, you know, a kid to the emergency room if we sent them. Um, but I, you know, in saying that it's, I know that coaches are a hundred percent doing the same thing as well. And, you know, their game plan and their practice plans and constantly thinking about, okay, how do I get these kids? How do I motivate these kids? And so I, I feel that coaches have a good understanding of, of what we do as athletic trainers. Um, you know, and, and again, that might be biased with, with me and, and the coaches that I've gotten to work with because I've, I've had some phenomenal coaches that I've gotten to work with and have not really had, I know with the students that I have from the college setting, they always ask, Oh, okay, well, what if you get that one coach that, you know, doesn't agree with you or have you ever had that? And, Honestly, I've never had that coach that I've had disagreements with. Uh, every coach has been 100% on board with sending athletes to me. Uh, you know, well, again, I might be the last to know about practice or game, you know, time changes. But um, I think coaches have a pretty good understanding of what we do as athletic trainers. You mentioned um, keeping up at- I know in the, in the on the baseball world right now, just the advancements that are being made in terms of research and learning about different things that maybe have been coached for a long time and they're realizing, actually, that might not have been the best way to do it. With injuries and obviously the science and it continues to change, or maybe not change, but we learn more. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to keep up on new protocols and new research that comes out and implementing that in your programs and making sure that you're staying on the I don't know if the cutting edge is the right word, but staying up to date, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's just like any other thing. You just have to put forth the time and, and dedication to make sure that you are staying up on, you know, whether it be reading journals or with athletic training, you have to do continuing ed, you know, like with teaching, um, professional development type stuff. And so you have to continually be doing that. And while I know some athletic trainers that wait until, you know, the end of our reporting period to get all their continuing ed in, um, I I've kind of taken a different approach, I suppose. And, and some athletic trainers may do it, but I, I try to just make sure that I'm doing, you know, at minimum five, maybe continuing ed units or whatever it may be per month so that I'm, constantly improving myself and improving how I can help the athletes that I work with, because you're, you're right that things change, things change, but think we, we, we become more knowledgeable in our approach or um, what we know about injuries and concussions is a great example of that, that probably when you were in high school, the protocol at the time was okay. Yes. I verified that you, you know, I can say that you have a concussion, you're, you have all these signs and symptoms, but we're going to time you right now. And if all those signs and symptoms go away in 15 minutes, then, and you pass some exertional tests, we can put you back on a football field. Whereas today that would be unheard of if you had, 
a multitude of concussion symptoms, then we're not putting you back in that Perfect. day. We're not even going to put you in for a week. If you know, you have a concussion that there there's a, a period of time where you're going to be taking a break and a return to play where you're um, gradually increasing intensity of, you know, the, the exercise to make sure it's okay for you to get back to play. But um, so things like that have definitely changed over the years. And it's just funny to think like, Oh my gosh, but that's what we knew of concussions at the time. Right. Yeah. I think for baseball, there's a lot of research coming out now and maybe it probably came out a while ago, but we've, we're just steadfast and ignoring it maybe mm-hmm. where um, icing, icing your arm has always been thought of as like, well, that's, that's what you should do after you, you know, throw a hundred pitches. And there's a lot of research now that shows that maybe that's not the best approach. Um, you've already talked about concussions. Is there anything, if you could go back to Christina in 2005 and see the way she was treating a certain injury, is there any specific injury that maybe has the treatment has changed a lot compared to what you were doing, you know, 15 years ago? I would say for the most part, the most drastic one would be the concussions. You know, there's, there's little things here and there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's anything like super drastic like concussion protocols have been um, for, for good measure, because, you know, as when that question that kids always ask me is, Oh, what's the worst injury you've seen? And I tell them concussions and they're disappointed in that they want to hear the blood and guts, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's your brain. You only get one shot with that. You can roll an ankle and go through rehab over and over again. And while, you know, maybe you're going to be a little more prone to an ankle sprain, but you know, you'll still recover. You can still walk again and and play again, but you know, a a brain, you only get one shot really. So we want to make sure that we're doing, doing the best that we can. And again, even timing someone and saying, okay, 50 minutes, you're clear, ready, go back into a collision sport. It's like, no way, no way. (laughs) Isn't that amazing that, yeah. And and you could go back even farther before your career and that we would probably faint if we, kind of really got into what people used to do with concussions. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The one, I think the concussion training is the one here in Oregon that head coaches have to, or I, all coaches have to complete mm-hmm. that training every single year, I think. Right. Yep. Is the one. Yeah. 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 Um, as we kind of geared down a little bit, I wanted to go a little bit more big picture stuff. Uh, but I wanted to start with a smaller picture question. So um, obviously with COVID right now and the the protocols and our state in Oregon here has allowed districts to kind of make their own decisions. What's Beaverton's approach to sports right now? Right now, um, the Beaverton School District is not going to have any type of um, activities until we're in person. We have some in-person or hybrid um class. Beaverton currently is, is going to wait until we're, um, in person. And of course there's a few exceptions to the rule or not, I shouldn't say exceptions, but, um, possibilities of opening up when we've just said that we're going to be distance learning until the end of the first semester, um, that came out today. And so, um, it's still fluid. We may still be able to, at some point before, um, January start some training. Um, you know, we can just keep our fingers crossed. I know these athletes, uh, they need, they need sports, you know, again, for the mental aspect for one. And I know a lot of them are, are able to play and it might be at the club level or they're doing a lot of exercises on their own or, you know, pick up games on their own or get into the gym now. And so, um, Hopefully we can start up sooner rather than later. You're good. I, I you you hit on the bigger question that I wanted to get to, which was, you know, we've had all this time to pause and reflect now because we've been kind of forced to, I, I guess, not work with kids the way we're used to working with kids. And so I know it's it's caused me to kind of reevaluate some of the things I do and the way I I train and coach players and things like that. But more importantly, it's given me a chance to kind of reflect on why high school sports matter and the values that I'm trying to instill in, in my own baseball program. If, if someone asked you why high school sports matter and why this career you've chosen matters, what would you say? Oh, gosh. Do, uh, do we have another hour left? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 
and you know, I say as an athletic trainer, I'm big on the rehab aspect, but I'm probably bigger on the mental aspect, uh, more so. And, and just what sports provide, uh, for students, especially at the high school level is it's an outlet. It's, you know, whether it be a mental outlet that they can just release all the stress from and anxiety from their day, whether it be school or, uh, family or friendships, whatever they, they just need that outlet. And, you know, that chance to have something physical that that competition is going to be huge for them and competition in a, you know, a relatively controlled environment, structured environment with, you know, the coaching staff putting forth all their practice plans and whatnot, you know, it's just life lessons, I guess, to, you know, kind of sound corny with it, but you just, you learn through sport how to get through adversity and, and overcome struggles that just pay off down the road and, and help any athlete to realize that, Hey, look, life sucks right now because of X, Y, and Z, but you know, I've been through tougher times. I, I, as an athlete myself, I can remember back to playing basketball in college and I don't think we touched a basketball for an entire practice one day because we were running sprints. And let me tell you, oof, there's never been a time where I hated working out more, but you know, I can look at it and maybe I'm going for, you know, a run and I can flash back to that point now and, you know, say, Oh, well this run, I guess, isn't that bad. Like it could be worse. And look, I've overcome it or, you know, like, Oh my gosh, work is so stressful because of this coworker. But you know, I've learned lessons through sports and hopefully the high school athletes are also learning that, that, you know, you're going to have teammates and coaches that you don't get along with at times, but you have to learn how to deal with them and work with them in a cohesive environment. And I think sports, sports helps to kind of show and, and, and allow athletes to grow in that capacity. The mental side of things is so important. And when I look back at my own high school career and the lessons I learned, like hardly any of them have to do with actual baseball. It's all, it's all life stuff. Yep, um, absolutely. I, have, I think athletic trainers are, and you, you're humble, so you won't admit this probably. I think athletic trainers in terms of high school athletics are by far the, the least appreciated for what they do and, and how they help kids and how, how much behind the scenes they are and how as a coach, you really don't maybe even think about them until you really need them. And so just as an athletic trainer and, and everything you do for athletes, thank you. And um, appreciated you coming on the podcast. And I don't know if you have anything else that maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to to say or anything like that. No, I feel like we've covered, I mean, hopefully covered every aspect of it. And I, I appreciate your kind words. I definitely want to be one of those people where just like you said, it's so much going on behind the scenes. And maybe I see, you know, and, an athlete during a game that, you know, might have a cut and I can see them kind of gradually trying to wipe their blood off on their Jersey. So I'm already prepping a band aid and maybe some tape to hold that on. By the time the coach realizes and subs the kid out, I'm already standing behind the coach when they're turning around to, to some, you know, or not summon, I shouldn't say, but to call me over for this kid with blood. It's like, Nope, I already got that. I'm on it. And, you know, and I don't want the kid, I want to try and tackle that during a timeout so they don't get subbed out of the game. But it's trying to constantly stay one step ahead so that we can make sure that those athletes are on are on the field or court um, for coaches because I don't, I don't want any coach to have to worry about changing up their plan because of, you know, an injury or taping or whatever it may be. And so, again, love love doing athletic training. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And of course, this is a crazy world right now. So there's not as much athletic training at the high school <laughs> level, or at least <laughs> at least in Beaverton. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll get back there. And it's just trying to keep those kids motivated. Like you said, I mean, these kids need need sports in their life. And, you know, when it's safe, it's just like with an injury, when it's safe for them to return, when it's safe with COVID, we're gonna let them return. So you know, slowly but surely we'll get back there. Yeah. I was, I was just thinking as we're wrapping up, I was thinking about how, uh, I don't know if I would be able to get, uh, you or any other athletic trainer to come on a podcast and record it if COVID wasn't happening. Cause you'd all be so busy or you'd be. In the oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh I know having to clear the game schedule out of my calendar was probably one of the hardest things I would reach out to athletic trainers or coaches and, you know, 
kind of, you know, just, oh, we should be at this game or this tournament right now. You know, let's just have our moment of silence. Okay, moving on. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a crazy world. It's it's really it's really bizarre not having sports at the high school level. And I'm excited to get to work with kids again soon. And I'm sure you are whenever that whenever that time comes for Beaverton. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, you're the first athletic trainer on the show. We did it. We oh made it to the goodness. end. I'm going to pat myself on the back for not asking you what the most gruesome injury was that you've ever <laughs> you've ever seen. Made it through a whole hour without doing it. So, thanks for coming on. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find the High School Coaches Club by going to our website, www.highschoolcoachesclub.com in addition to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HS Coaches Club. Coaches, trainers, administrators, uh, even players uh, can all provide us with stories that that help us improve ourselves and the lives of our athletes too. So uh, here's the deal, everyone. Um, If you know somebody who'd make for an awesome guest here on the podcast, even if that somebody is you, uh, please email me at highschoolcoachesclub at gmail.com. coaches, trainers, administrators, players of seriously any sport uh, at the high school level. Uh, If you've got something or you know somebody who's got something to offer up to the rest of us, um, please reach out to me. That's the best way to kind of help this community grow. Um, Lastly, you can always reach out to me personally, and this is really the fastest way to get a response because I spend probably far too much time there. Um, On Twitter, uh, my handle is at Mr. Max Price. So, hey, I appreciate you being a part of the High School Coaches Club. Uh, Honored that you tuned in and and spent some of your time here with us. Uh, So thank you for that. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.